What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Glar. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. 360, Tyler Petrolke. What's up, TP? How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Excited to uh, do something a little different today. Yeah. So uh, on this episode of the TSK Show, we have a, a very special guest joining us. He is one of the biggest Laker fans in the world. Uh, he's a staple at every home game. Uh, if you've been to a game in the last 15 years, you've definitely seen this guy with his signs sitting courtside. Uh, we welcome to the TSK show none other than Gary, the sign guy, Martin. Gary, thank you for joining us. Hey, guys. Very pleased to be here. So before we get into uh, the Lakers and your story with the Lakers, uh, why don't you kind of give the people uh, a little bit of a background of where you're originally from, what you do for a living, uh, kind of your story. Oh, man. That's a, that's a book. But uh, I'll just say that I, I'm, a, I'm a Long Island guy. Uh, born and bred in Long Beach, Long Island, went to Hofstra University, uh, graduated from Hofstra, moved out here in 1991 when we had uh, Sedale Threep and, uh, and Vladi Divac and uh, Magic Johnson was playing on the team at that time. And uh, I was still kind of a Nick fan, kind of uh, by, by, by birth. And uh, once I moved out here, uh, it just started to happen where slowly but surely I started to fall in love with the purple and gold. Okay, so so you would say your Laker fandom dates back to, like, what, 1991, 1992-ish? Uh, Nick Van Axel really got me going, and Eddie hmm. Jones was my Nick guy. The quick. So I would say 93, 94 was when I really started to kick in my love, heavy duty. And and that was honestly somewhat of a, of a down period in, in Laker history. Uh, so that that's cool that you kind of got in on the ground floor. So how long have you been a season ticket holder for the Lakers? Well, uh, on the books, I have been buying uh, my tickets that I'm sitting in now since 2005. Okay. But I started going to Staples Center in 1999, and I bought all my tickets from Barry's Tickets, and I would buy the entire season from him. Oh, okay. So you said you've been in your current seat since 2005. How close to the floor are those seats? Uh, I am dead center, one row off the floor. Okay. All right. Now, you're known as the, the sign guy. Uh, you can follow him on social media at the real sign guy one. Uh, he's a great follow. Uh, talks everything Lakers uh, you would want to know. Uh, what made you start bringing the signs to the games? Uh, well, after going through the, uh, the Kobe Shaq era, which was monumental in my, my, my love and how I really, really developed a, a passion for the team, um, I was at the 81-point game, of course, and I was just saying to myself, God, I wish I had a sign that said Kobe, you know, just Kobe, K-O-B-E. And sure enough, I, uh, two weeks later, I was uh, bringing that sign, Kobe, with handles uh, to the games, and that's how it started. It just it, it inspired me to do something a little bit beyond and uh, stop becoming a major league cheerleader, I guess. Wow, that, that's crazy. So the 81-point game, that was kind of the lead-in to the whole sign phenomenon. 100%. Uh, 
Uh, Kobe's 81-point <laughs> game gave birth to the sign guy. <laughs> Man, that, that's a badass story. I mean, that's crazy to be there in person as well to see something like that. Yeah, what, what was uh, yeah, that well, like? We've seen, we've seen quite a few things. You know, Kobe Bryant was uh, a transcendent player, and uh, I'm glad that I got to watch his entire career from his first game to his last game. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. He's, uh, he, was, uh, he's, he was my, uh, I guess, basketball god, as it may be. I mean, I love Shaq as well, uh, but Kobe was, uh, yeah, you Kobe, know. Kobe was that guy. Kobe. Yeah, I mean Kobe. Kobe is Kobe is what made me fall in love with the, with the game of basketball for sure. Uh, I mean, I was two years old when he started his career, so I, I got to see his entire career uh, over that twenty year span. So I mean, Kobe to me is basketball. Kobe, uh, Kobe was more than just basketball. He 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 brought a, a sense of elegance to the court. And it was uh, really something to behold. Every single night, the buzz was there because Kobe was on the court. Yeah. Uh, so b- back to the signs, real quick. Where where do you get them made? Do you make do you make them yourself, or do you have someone that makes them for you? Um, I actually have a I have a guy in Simi Valley called uh, Thumbprint <laughs> Signature. Okay. Uh, uh, he's a uh, they make signs there, and they do. Uh, vinyl wraps for the cars and stuff like that. It's called Thumbprint. Okay, okay. Uh, and he's in Simi Valley, and it's uh, he's, he does a great job. His name is Kenny, and he's been doing it now with me for quite a while. And we always have to come up with new concepts and new signs. And his, uh, his girl, April, uh, is the girl that I work with over there. She's fantastic. So I go through, you know, what I want to do with each player. We discuss it. We, uh, we come up with proofs. And then we, uh, we we go to fabrication, and then there they are. You talk to the players personally about the signs you make for them, or you're talking about with the company? Uh, I usually make the decision about what I'm going to do for each player, and I tell them what I'm going to do before I do it because, you know, sometimes they don't like it. Yeah. Um, I love Brandon Ingram, and I don't think that Brandon's got a problem with it, but he didn't like the Slender Man sign. No, yeah. <laughs> I, had a, uh, I had a sign that made him look like Slender Man, and he wasn't digging that one, so he went back to the real deal because, after all, he is the real deal, no doubt about it. Yeah. So you have one for every single player on the team? It started out where I only did it for Kobe and, and Bynum and uh, Lamar, okay. and then from there it stretched out to, to Pow and – and uh, now I pretty much bring a sign, or I have a sign for almost every single player. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so, obviously, you're close enough to the court where uh, you have interactions with the players. Uh, what players or members of the franchise have you been able to, to forge relationships with over the years? Oh, my God. So, my, my current... Uh, guy that I have a really solid relationship is Meta World Peace. He, he and I really clicked very, very, very hard together. I also have a really terrific relationship with Lamar Odom, and uh, he and I were, were good friends, and we went out to several uh, events back in the day, in the, you know, from 2000 to 2000, uh, from 2005 to 2012. He and I were very, very tight. Um, but there's been a lot of guys who've come and gone. Matt Barnes is a terrific guy. Yeah, Matt Barnes Matt is Derek awesome. Fisher is a terrific guy. Steve Blake is a terrific guy. Um, I even had a relationship that was decent with uh, Dwight Howard. I had a relationship that was decent with Steve Nash. So, you know, I mean, I, I try to get along with every single player. 
And it's just, uh, I, I mean, it's much easier to name the ones that I didn't get along with, who I'm not going to mention, by the way. <laughs> That's fine. Um, uh, then it was the ones that I do get along with, because for the most part, the guys appreciate the uh, the sign guy. Okay. Now, uh, what about uh, other members of the franchise, uh, maybe from the front office or coaches? Uh, you get any recognition from any of those guys? Oh, yeah. Well, my relationship with, Dr., with the late Dr. Jerry Buss is the reason why I, uh, I guess I'm, uh, I was a popular enough that they let me become the sign guy. Um, I, I, I had a good relationship with Dr. Buss where he and um, I and Bob Steiner and, and Mr. Mariani would sit in the back and, and have a smoke and talk and, and laugh and, and, and trade stories way back to, to Dr. Buss. And then after Dr. Buss, I had an extraordinarily solid relationship, and I still have a good relationship with Jim Buss. Wow. Uh, Jim and I are, are, are very good friends, and, and we talk all the time. And and then from there, his brother Jesse, I've, I've forged a friendship with since he's a teenager. And now he's the head of scouting. Who's and, done an incredible uh, I think, job. in my opinion, Jesse Buss is uh, one of, if not the most, valuable asset that we have in entire Lakerland, to yeah, tell the truth. I couldn't agree more. I mean, what he's been able to do with the scouting department and, and the diamonds in the rough they've been able to find late in the draft. Unreal over, success. Over the past few years. No misses. Yeah, it's it's they're batting a 1,000 for sure over the past couple of years. Uh, I wouldn't say a 1,000, but I'll take 990. How's that? Hey, well, hey, that's a 90 still an A. Yeah, what was the name of that guy? The black, the the, the white, the white falcon, whatever his name was. The white falcon. R- R- Ryan Kelly. Oh, yeah, there was Ryan. also Ryan Kelly. So I'm not going to let. <laughs> Hell him. yeah! Once in a while, I bring him back to earth, and I remember I mentioned Ryan Kelly. I'm, I'm glad him. that's the one that got pulled out. The Dookie man. <laughs> Forget <laughs> I had that to guy. Out of my hat. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I would, I would blame I would blame it on Sacre too, but I think that Jim Buss kept Sacre around for whatever reason. I think he had a a a, a, um, a, a player crush on him, let's say, because he kept him around for a long time. Those seven those seven footers always get extra chances. Yeah, absolutely. But I never made a sign for Sacre, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I drew the line there. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Sacre is the line in the sand. We don't we don't go we don't go that far. Uh, so what, what are some of your favorite memories of, uh, of being at Laker games? Like what, what, any stories that, uh, stick out in your mind, uh, that you want to, want to share with us? Um, the alley-oop to, uh, to Shaq that set it all off from Kobe to Shaq was, Against Portland? was one of the most, I thought I was going to have a heart attack at that moment. I, when I got up, I, the blood rushed in my head and I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. Um, the, when Vladdy tapped that ball out and it went right into Robert Ory's hands. Robert Ory's another player that I get along with really, really well. Oh, I get big along shot with Vladdy also, by the way. Um, but that ball went down to uh, to Robert Ory and that ball swished down. I thought the building was going to come apart that day. <laughs> um, that was pretty incredible. There were some games against Portland in that same year in the playoffs that were pretty epic when Kobe took over, when Pat, when, uh, Kobe, when uh, Shaq fouled out and Kobe took the game over and he was just unbelievable. Uh, there was the game seven against Boston. We were losing for three and a half quarters of the oh. game, and then all of a sudden we came rolling back. And that was a dog That was fight. the greatest game of my life, actually, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, hey, the la- that was the last time the Lakers were in the promised land, and and it it was it was sweet back then. That was I, I remember that game very well. Uh, that was a that was definitely a defensive battle, both sides. It was a tough game. Yeah, and uh, you're dude, po- I, I was what they call pooping in my pantalones. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was uh, it was a really scary, very high tension. You know, nobody yeah. was relaxing. Down by six or seven points most of the game, sometimes in double digits, and all of a sudden we just came rolling back, and Kobe passed that ball to Meta, and the rest yeah. was history. I mean, it's the be- yeah, it's the it's the best scenario you can get in basketball. I mean, game seven. Fourth quarter, Lakers, Celtics. It doesn't really get any better than that. Yeah, and your boy, your boy Meta coming through and and getting it done for for the city. And I was also very good friends with Sasha Vucevic, the machine. Oh, who the, made machine. the two biggest free throws in Laker history. So. Yeah. So, so and uh, and you know they called him the machine because that guy was unbelievable in practice. <laughs> yeah. Practice here. That, that guy in a practice floor would not miss a bucket, but. Some reason it wasn't quite as easy when he got to the uh, the, uh, the prime time on the on the on the uh, hardwood. All right. So, who would you say your favorite Laker of all time is? Shaq, and that's just easy to say because you know Shaq's the character of the Lakers. It's uh, it's easy to say that my favorite Laker of all time was Shaq. But you know, who do I think was the most transcendent player that I've ever seen? The guy that made the difference. The guy that was just there from the beginning to the end. That was Kobe. There was yeah. nobody like him. But my favorite to watch for entertainment value, it's definitely Shaq. Come on. There's yeah. nobody quite like that. Yeah, the most dominant center of all time. They would bounce off of him. They would <laughs> foul him and foul him and beat him and slap him and crush him, and he would go to the free throw line like it was. Giant humans doing this. Have him. Doing this to seven-footers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we've had a lot of great players in our time. I mean, but you know, Kobe and Shaq, of course. Yeah, no, they're the they're the goats. Uh, they're the greatest. They were a lot of fun. I also loved Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones was a lot of fun to watch. I, I really enjoyed him. I, I became a Laker fan pretty much because of Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones. Yeah, that's I mean, a uh, that, that's a that's an interesting combo. Games they played. So where do you uh, where do you rank that you know Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Kobe and Shaq team? Where do you rank them as one of your favorite teams? Oh, well, the, uh, the, the Kobe and Shaq teams from 2000 to 2004 were, like, unbelievable. Uh, 2004, we ended up getting uh, Gary Payton and, and Carl Malone, and I didn't think that anybody was going to beat that team. No, no, me neither. Nobody did. Well, we had the chemistry issues, and I, I'm sure that if the guys had to do it all over again, it would have been different. I think so. But at the time and the way things went down, um, you know, people just don't give enough credit to Jim Buss. And, 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 and uh, you know, in that middle period there, he was a much better executive than he's gotten credit for. And, I, you know, I just uh, – I, 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 I'm sure he made mistakes that cost him his job, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, the Moskov and the Lou Aldang signings were pretty horrendous, but – um, for the most part, you know, he was in on those teams uh, from 2000 on. He was in those rooms, and he was helping making those decisions. It wasn't all Dr. Buss and Mitch Kupchak by himself. Uh, so I think that he gets a bad rap a lot of the time. Um, I mean, there were so many things that derailed his, uh, his legacy as the leader of the Lakers, from David Stern fucking up that trade. Ooh, excuse my language. No, no, you're okay to cuss on this. You're okay. Uh, screwing up that trade with um, with Chris Paul mm-hmm. and uh, Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol. And then there was also, if people don't remember, the Shannon Brown uh, episode that happened with, uh, with Pau Gasol's um, girlfriend and the, uh, Kobe's wife and the, the, the banter back and forth, whatever that was all about. 
uh, that cost them that series against Dallas. And that, you know, and it was just so many things that got in the way of Jim Buss's uh, success that I think that he got a bum rap kind of, kind of a little bit in certain ways. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to to hear that uh, the Pau Gasol Shannon Brown stuff. What what was that about? Um, well, it was all rumors and innuendo, but apparently uh, there was some kind of a a party, and all the Laker wives were there, and Vanessa uh, Kobe's wife was there, and and Shannon Brown was there. Uh, not Shannon Brown. Um, Pau Gasol's girlfriend, uh, Sylvia Lopez, whatever her name was, back at the time, who uh, used to hang out at the Laker games quite a bit. And she was a really, really friendly person. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, there was some kind of a turmoil, and then the, the, there was a rumor going around that Shannon Brown was fooling around with uh, Pau Gasol's girlfriend, and, and it created a lot of tension, and it destroyed that team because it was in the middle of that series. And Pau Gasol was nowhere to be found in that series, if you remember what happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Lakers got destroyed by Dallas that year. And that was the end of that team. That's so crazy to hear that story. I mean, because that Dallas series is so memorable because it was just like a complete collapse. And you have like a 100-year-old Peja Stoyakovic, you know, just drilling threes, and we just get completely crushed. That was a, that was a crazy time. I never... Well, it was the last time we made the playoffs, and it was uh, it well, it wasn't the last time we made the playoffs. It was the last time that we had a team that we thought should have gotten out of the second round. Yeah, yeah. last time we had healthy Kobe in the playoffs. Yeah. It was it, exactly. that was the year that was the year the Mavs won the title. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, well, you know, there probably could have been our title. It could have been another one, but. We also lost uh, that first title game against the Celtics. I thought uh, that will forever and and itself be a nightmare to me. I thought that we had that series in two thousand and eight. Uh, we won in two thousand and eight. No, we lost two thousand eight. That's yeah. right. We lost in two thousand eight. We won the next year against Orlando, and then we won in two thousand and ten against the Celtics. Correct. Yeah, it was the one that we lost against Boston. That was the one that I thought we had. We had a game. Well, we were up like 20 points at home, and then we lost that game at home, and that was a brutal loss. Yeah, and then they ended up getting blown out in Boston by like 30 to to ultimately lose the championship. something like that. Yeah. Kobe cried in the shower, and Meta promised him it's going to be different the following year, and there yep. was. Yep, Meta came, and and it was different. So, yeah. who would you say who would you say is the greatest Laker of all time in your opinion? Mm, boy. You know, it's hard to say, and I'm going to tell you why it's hard to say, fellas. It's, it's an unanswerable question. Every player plays within their own era and shines in their own way, in their own era, in their own time. Where the rules are a certain way and the players play a certain way. I mean, I, who knows how Shaq would do in today's era with you can't hand-check anybody. Who knows, you know, how, how the, the game changes the rules. And, this, you know, for each and every era, I can name a great Laker, okay? And that's not easy to do. But what the Lakers can do it. They consistently bring stars to the table. And there is no one single greatest of all time. They all had greatest of all time moments. Shaq in his time uh, from 2000 to 2003 
was unstoppable, where he was winning winning league MVPs and and uh, um, and championship uh, finals MVP. Uh, you had Kobe in his era in the, from 2007 to 2011, where there was nobody like him. And I think that Steve Nash's two MVPs belong to Kobe. Anyway, I agree. I agree with um, that statement. Uh, you got Will Chamberlain, who was incredible. Uh, Magic Johnson, who was the best player of his time. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was the greatest scorer in the history of the game. Uh, Jerry West, who's the, who's the logo. Jamal Wilkes, uh, Gail Goodrich. You just have so many that are so great, it's hard to say which one was the greatest. Um, I would say that the ones that made the most impact on the team were probably Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant. Okay. They made the biggest impact on the franchise for yeah. the longest duration of time. I'd have to agree with that statement. Okay, so now the current state of the Lakers, obviously they haven't been to the playoffs in the last six years, but you've stayed consistent going to all the home games. What what has made you – stay consistent with supporting the Lakers, even though they've taken a downturn in, in their franchise's history? Uh, you know, it's just, it's just Laker love. It's, it's pure love for the purple and gold. They've given me so much joy and so much happiness through the years that I need to be able to support them when they're going through their downtimes. It's like I didn't become a Laker fan because they had all that history. I became a Laker fan because they tried so hard and the, and the team always looked like they were trying to get better and they were always trying to make moves to improve the franchise, which shows the greatness of the Laker franchise. That they've, they've been in almost, you know, every three or four years they average going to a championship, okay? So eventually, you know, it's going to catch up with you. And the rule changes and the collective bargaining agreement and the things that David Stern did and – all these things have kind of leveled the playing field and made it difficult for the Lakers to, uh, to, to sustain the greatness that they once had. But that doesn't mean that I don't still charge a uh, uh, cheer and go as hard as I can for the players as, as often as I can. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, what do you personally think of the current state of the Lakers? What, what do you think – about what what has been going on with with the franchise on the court, uh, their moves uh, with player personnel and, and all of that. Well, I'm going to shock a lot of people with what I'm about to say. I don't think that the the state of affairs is as bad as what you're thinking it is. Okay, I didn't expect to win a championship this year, and anything short of a championship, whether you're first round, second round, or third round, doesn't matter. We're Lakers, and we're Laker fans, and we're accustomed to winning championships. We didn't expect to win this year. The amount of injuries that derailed this season is just unbelievable. And you cannot blame Luke Walton for the woes of this team. They never gave up on him. They're still trying to win to this day. And... Um, Personally, I think that Luke Walton should be the coach next year. I think that he deserves one more year with a healthy team. If you want to blame somebody, well, perhaps you want to go back and find out, you know, why we lost that guy, Alex McKechnie, from, who's the, uh, the trainer from, uh, from the, Toronto, uh, the Toronto Raptors. 
when he was the trainer for the Los Angeles Lakers, we had like the healthiest team in the league, and we were going to the championship three years in a row. Yep. But now that he's gone to the uh, Toronto Raptors, we can't seem to stay on the court. And I'm not saying that that's the reason. Um, the way true players are today and the way they train today and practice today and stretch today, I don't know. But I've never seen such a, a bevy of influential players, important players, core players, players that you need to win go down and then kind of blame Luke Walton for, those, for, for, for that. That's bullshit. That's just not the way it goes. I'm no, with, I mean, when he had a healthy team, he had his fourth in the West and rolling on all cylinders. Yeah, I'm, I can't uh, disagree with that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on Luke on that one. I think we need to give him another year. Definitely can't blame him for not having any of his ball handlers healthy throughout the entire season. You know, I'm just a fan, and my opinion doesn't matter but diddly. But, boy, when I see everybody on these networks, you know, talking about who is going to replace for Luke Wall, nobody. No. Nobody should replace being replacing the Lugon. The question is, what are we going to do about the, the, the roster? Are we going to trade away our young core? I hope and, not. Uh, to, to, uh, to, to bring in one player that, you know, possibly, from what I understand, or from what I know, has never had a healthy season in his entire career, where the most he's ever played is 70 games. Or, so, or something like that, and, you know, do I want to put all of my eggs in one basket with that and, and risk the future uh, with a couple of players that may get hurt? Uh, we, and we've done that in the past, and we see where that's gotten us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I really hope we don't rip this team apart for one more superstar because I don't think that's the right way. I think you need, you need a whole team, and, you know, going back to Luke Walton, with the young guys, you know, staying consistent, letting these guys grow and develop and continue to grow and develop. I think that's really important. And that's how you're going to keep the chemistry as high as possible. Well, if you look at the way the Spurs and the Warriors have built their franchises, it always was with the young, the youth and, and waiting for the youth and adding a couple of players developing from within. And I think that we have the, the, the makeup have a really solid team. Look, we've already given up so many players. We've given up so many top quality players. I'm not just talking about D'Angelo Russell, which was the, you know, the elephant in the room. But we've also <laughs> given up on, on Ibiza Zubac. We've given up on Thomas Bryant. We gave up on, on Julius Randle. I mean, you know, those guys alone can make a playoff contention team if you had those guys still on your team with, with uh, Luke Williams. And, you know, we, we've given up a lot of talent in the last couple of years, okay? Yep, absolutely. Nance and Clarkson and all those guys were definitely good players. And I hope I hope uh, we keep rolling with these young guys and we just try to develop our team exactly like you said, Golden State, San Antonio, let, that's let the blueprint. Let me turn the table on you guys. Let me ask you a question. Sure, go if for it. If you had a chance to trade, and get ready, hold on to your socks here. I'm, I'm holding would on, you, Gary. Would you trade LeBron James? For Zion Williamson. Would I trade LeBron James for Zion Williamson right now? Nah. Right now. I would, yeah. Tonight. I would. I could I couldn't I couldn't pull that trigger. I I wouldn't. It's as simple as this. One window is closing and one window is wide open to the moon. That's true. That's true. And one and one is a thirty five year old that's going to thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, and the other kid is, is twenty one. I He's have eighteen. 
seven years old. Okay, the kid is a child. <laughs> yeah, he is. A, he is. He, yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, he's eighteen. Yeah. One makes thirty-five million dollars a year, and one can be had for the league minimum for a, for a, 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 a round one number one draft pick, like seven million dollars. No, I definitely understand the benefits of going younger. I mean, he's obviously a guy that's projected to be, you know, one of the better players in this league. He's probably going to be a perennial all-star. Super exciting, fun guy to watch. And and if the Lakers added someone like Zion uh, to that young core, they'd be they'd be scary. But I still feel like LeBron gives us a better chance to win a championship the next three years. Well, what if what if you don't even have? to trade for Zion. What if we get the number one pick in the lottery? Just somehow, but some way. And we have literally won yeah, the lottery. It's only a 3 to 6% chance, and it's, you know, that would be like, that's a frozen <laughs> envelope if that happens, buddy. <laughs> oh, the, the, yeah, the Patrick Ewing frozen envelope, yeah. yeah. Hey, there would definitely be a lot of conspiracy theorists out there uh, going at the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, that would be kind of neat. I'd love to figure out how to suck that golf ball out a little bit sooner. That would be nice. Um... Uh, so, but, uh, to tell you the truth, fellas, let's say you're the New York Knickerbockers. Okay. And let's say you win you win the Zion Williamson sweepstakes and you get Zion Williamson. And after you choose him, the phone rings. And the phone on the, on, on, and the guy on the phone is Magic Johnson or Majlinka, whatever you want to call them. Uh-huh. And, and they offer LeBron James straight up for Zion Williamson. Number one, do you make that offer if you're the Lakers? And number two, do you accept that offer if you're the uh, Knicks? Well, one, I don't think the Lakers would make that offer. And two, I think the Knicks' answer would depend on if they got Kyrie and KD in free agency this summer. So, it... I don't think the I don't think the Lakers would make that call, and uh, I think the Knicks would take that trade. Yeah, I mean, I think the Knicks, I think the Knicks would take the trade. I think the the situation in New York's it's been tough for a long, long time, and. Just to get people to, they'd be, they'd, you know, they'd to be willing Knicks to do anything. Again would be, yeah. Well, you know what? There was a time when I sat with Dr. Buss, and Dr. Buss used to talk about things that were Laker big. Okay. Okay. That would be Laker big. Yeah. No, they're definitely set up to do something Laker big. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this next year, especially with Zion. He's he throws in a. He throws a weird uh, curveball into the mix for sure. Yeah. Now, shift, shifting focus to the Lakers' free agency options, who do you think the Lakers should go after this summer? You know what? I'm going to, uh, for that question, I'm going to bring my son Shane in because sure. when it comes to things NBA, you know, my son has been sitting by my side for at least the last 15 years. So he knows quite a bit about the NBA, and I'm going to let him take it from that that question is that okay yeah go for it all right we welcome uh shane to the tsk show tsk show that. shane eric and tyler hey fellas how you doing hey shane how you doing man i'm doing okay i've just been uh, in the background kind of listening and absorbing what you guys have been talking about okay and, uh, it's been pretty interesting oh well we, but, uh, we appreciate to answer it answer your question uh the number one target i would be going for is clay thompson yeah and for multiple reasons. One, you need to have three-point shooting around LeBron James. Any LeBron James team that you've seen throughout the years that have been successful are the teams that surround him with three-point shooters, right? And the Lakers are terrible at the three-point line. Yeah. Let's just not even beat around the bush. They're awful. They can't <laughs> hit a three. No, no Rondo, Rondo ended up being the best three-point shooter on the team this year. Which is crazy. 
to him, it's not acceptable. That's why we are where yeah, we are. I'd have to agree with that statement. Um, okay, now the now I completely agree. Clay Thompson would be the Lakers' number one offseason priority. The only problem is, is I don't think he's going to leave Golden State. Um, now let's say Clay is off the table, KD is off the table, Kyrie is off the table. What uh, what other free agents do you think uh, the Lakers should go f- go after? Well, it's going to be a little bit of a of a different uh, probably player than you're thinking, but I would say Jimmy Butler would be the next best option right there because he's another guy who can knock down the open shot. He's probably the best wing defender option on the market, and he's someone who can be looked at as more of a leader. You know. The leadership question was was really in question this year with when it came to LeBron leading his young team. So you need someone who's going to come in and be willing to step up and lead this team. And I think Jimmy Butler would be that guy. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Shane, we we appreciate uh, we appreciate your input. Are you still there, fellas? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. We're still here. Uh, All right, well, I'm back. Thank you, Shane. That was a very good insight, as yeah. I knew he would give. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we appreciate uh, Shane taking the time to give his thoughts. Um, now, what was, Gary, what was your initial reaction when LeBron James announced he was coming to the Lakers? Hmm. Sheer joy at first. Um, a worry that he was going to be um, – uh, uh, that he wasn't going to – I didn't want to lose our young core, okay? And and when LeBron goes somewhere, sometimes that spells reconstruction and we're going to build around LeBron, and I'm, I was a little afraid of that happening. But I think that the pieces were starting to mesh together at one point, like right around Christmas time. Yeah. They were really, really starting to find their, their rhythm and their roles and their spots and their timing, and it was starting to look good. Okay, I, I felt good about it. And then that groin injury just derailed us, and, and ever since that day, it's not been the same. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this, will, this will be the last question because uh, uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time. We, we appreciate all the time you, you have given us. Uh, you're obviously a big fan uh, of the young core, like you said, uh, throughout uh, your time on the show tonight. Um, which one of the young core, uh, namely Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Josh Hart, which one of those do you, those players do you think has the brightest future? I think that Brandon Ingram has the highest ceiling to his game. I think that he's going to be the person – that people are going to be talking about in the future that uh, that shines shine, uh, uh, of all those stars. I think that his uh, 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 star is going to shine the brightest at, at the end of the day. Okay. All right, Gary. Well, we thank you so much uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, we were... that, that doesn't mean that I don't love my coos and I don't love my Zoe because <laughs> I do. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 But of course. Of course. Ask me a question, and uh, I don't have to eat cow tongue like uh, James Worthy does. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. No. Listen. No. They're a great core. They're. I. I hope they stay together. I hope we roll this out for years to come. And you're just. You're just in a fan. Fan with an opinion, and and that's all. All we can ask for. 
So uh, and don't forget, have your guys try to follow me at the Real Sign Guy One on yes, Twitter because definitely. I do have a page up there, and I'd love to hear from them. Yes, definitely. Uh, follow Gary at the Real Sign Guy on Twitter and Instagram. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate all your time. Uh, we'd love to have you on again uh, in the future. And uh, go Lakers. Okay, you got it. I'll do anything for the graduates of Calabasas High. <laughs> all right. Well, we thank you. We appreciate it. Take care, pal. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Well, that was uh, Gary, the sign guy, Martin. Don't forget, you can uh, follow him at the real sign guy one on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Tyler, that was uh, that was uh, something special. Yeah, that yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, always good to you know switch it up a little bit, get an interview in. Uh, I don't know if we've ever done you know an over the phone interview. So that no, was cool. that was our that was our first one. And it's uh, it's always always cool to see someone's like perspective from such a you know a crazy angle that you know I really haven't seen. Yeah, um, he has a a great you know exposure to the Lakers. I mean, he's right there in the action. You know, telling personal stories knowing everything from ownership to trainers to the players that's really cool i mean it, you know for me that would be a dream come true and, and for him it sounds like he loves it and he cherishes it a lot yeah he gets uh, he gets to live the ultimate dream uh with that that wraps up this episode of the tsk show don't forget you can find us at tsk show on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to find myself or tyler on twitter or any social media for for that matter uh, be sure to follow us at the duke of sports and at tyler Pacholki. all of our content can be found on soundcloud or apple podcasts check us out on anchor as well and we are now on spotify just type in keyword tsk show to find us be sure to rate review and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the tsk show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show we appreciate you all so much for listening Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.